a code red for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero Carbon East Tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins. For those in the dark, this is the frontrunner of all green-themed podcasts that's hell-bent on getting those crucial environmental stories out there. The man with the big clipboard is the green entrepreneur, Dale Vince. Morning, Dale. Yeah, morning, Ian. Morning. Yeah, good. And I thought what's interesting with our first story here, because it's our friend, the World Economic Forum, which I know divides the room a bit, because some people believe this is the, the seat, the castle, the palace of where all conspiracy theories are cooked up to control the world. But... They are nonetheless a very crucial body, of course, uh, of businesses and, and, and politicians and whatever. But they are really laying it on the line now about the threat of climate change. Yeah, I saw this. I mean, I don't know who they're crucial to, you know, other than themselves, quite honestly. <laughs> they're, the, they're the people, aren't they, that meet in the uh, in a funny place called Davos. Or Davos, Davos, yeah. It always reminds me of the... Uh, the Doctor Who, the, yeah. Exactly, the uh, boss uh, of the Daleks. Every yeah. time, every time we hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I read the headline, you know, the World Economic Forum says climate change is the biggest threat we've faced, and I'm like, well, you know, welcome to the party, guys. Yeah, yeah. They, they, it's interesting that bearing in mind the alleged importance of this group and the progressive nature, allegedly, of this group, and mm. we're ahead of the curve, they say, of this group, mm. they're a bit bloody late, aren't they? Yeah, they're Where simply they saying made? the biggest threat the world faces now is the climate crisis. We're yeah. like, wow, <laughs> there's yeah. some news. Yeah, I think you probably first said this about 30 years ago. They're probably right. Yeah. I've certainly been saying it for the last few years, and it's been very self-evidently true for the last few years. I mean, beyond way beyond the pandemic, yeah. of course, in terms of its threat. But so let's move on. They're, they're, they're playing catch-up. They are indeed. Here's a question from Gregor, who says, wondered if you could give me your take on using farm animal waste in the anaerobic digestion. Would you use it in your green gas production? If you could use animal slurry at large scale, wouldn't it reduce the amount of ammonia in the air we breathe and encourage farmers to follow your green gas example? First question, what the hell is anaerobic digestion? Uh, anaerobic digestion is the breaking down of organic material in the absence of oxygen is where the anaerobic bit comes from okay. and uh, the making of methane from it. It's how we make green gas um, and it's been around for a very long time. It's basically an industrial version of a cow's stomach. Yeah. Uh, only difference is with the cow, it leaks out both ends uh, because it's a byproduct the cow doesn't want and yep. in anaerobic digestion, it's the main product. So look, it's a very good question. It's been around uh, for a while, this uh, this suggestion that it would be better if we used animal slurry uh, rather than turned our backs on it, which is what we do at Ecotricity. We've, uh, we've never uh, used the products of uh, factory farming in the making of gas or electricity. We just exclude them. Wouldn't it be better to use them, people say, because otherwise it's creating a, a form of waste and and in this case ammonia in the air. But, you know, 
My answer is the, the simple and best answer is to stop farming animals, not worry about how we deal with the waste and the problems they cause, yeah. because we've still got all the other inherent problems of animal agriculture, even if we use a slurry, you know, I mean, they're still driving the climate crisis and, uh, you know, habitat loss and wildlife extinction, human health problems. And it's still the most incredibly inefficient way for us to feed ourselves. Yeah, so- and I was, I was going to just add to that, that if you were to go that route, that would only work if you were still mass farming animals of course which as you rightly say is part of the problem so that's right we don't yeah we don't need to solve the problems of mass farming of animals we need to end mass farming of animals there you go there you go um i saw this headline as well uk firms pay 10 percent more than eu rivals for emissions following a brexit decision what's this all about I love this one, actually, because often we talk about Brexit on this podcast, don't we? And almost always we talk about the climate crisis. And here's a wonderful overlap. One of the downsides, the many, many downsides of Brexit, we've got a list building nicely, haven't we, uh, is is actually that we're paying more for carbon credits in Britain now because we decided to turn our backs on the EU carbon trading scheme. Mm. It was just one of those facets of the hard Brexit, the the Tory right, which is the government, uh, you know, wanted to impose on us. And um, yeah, so we're paying more for carbon credits than we need to, than the companies do in Europe is making us less competitive. It's making it more expensive to fight the climate crisis. I probably shouldn't like it, but I do. It, it amuses me. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong to be with being amused at the failures of the current government. Of course, we can <laughs> we can lay that firmly at their door. Of course, uh, Lorraine on Twitter says, "What do you make of your friends at Tranmere Rovers going vegan for January?" Well, I love the story actually, and I love I love what's happening at Tranmere. You know, the, I think they've got a green fan zone. Uh, they've been talking about carbon emissions, and f- and for January they haven't actually gone vegan. I mean, that would be nice, but they are encouraging fans to think about it and you know uh, you know try vegan options and stuff like that. I mean, I just think it's fantastic. We can see it in um, in football. Uh, I was I was talking to uh, to a club just the other day actually that we played and, and you know, they were telling me what they're planning to do and, and how they're concerned about the environment and how they're just kind of kind of woken up to these issues and and you know are just about to really commit to them and it's so exciting actually to see that um, you know otherwise normal football clubs if I can say that are just saying do you know what this is right you know we've got to do something about that and and so yeah. let's get on with it they're not normal clubs Dale. They're, they're pie-eating <laughs> bastards. That's, what they are. That's not normal. I wouldn't expect you to comment on that, of course, as a chairman of a football club. We, um, we eat pies as well. <laughs> indeed, yes, but slightly healthier yeah. ones. Um, th- this I thought was interesting because we've often talked about the speed or the lack of speed of our government when it comes to implementing regulations and, and diktats around climate, even in the wake of COP. You know, you thought, wow, everything's going to start to happen. It's like suddenly everyone's forgotten COP even uh, happened. But Germany, certainly the climate ministers in Germany, seem to be on the ball because they're now saying that we must treble the speed of carbon cuts. Yeah, really interesting story, this one. Obviously, there's a coalition government in Germany now as a result of the last election. The guy in charge of uh, climate uh, is is a green politician, and he's saying that to hit their existing targets, which are, you know, they're not madly ambitious, 80% renewable energy by 2035, I think it is something like that, maybe 2030, uh, that kind of stuff, the kind of stuff that we've got, actually. He's saying to hit those, they've got to increase the speed of progress threefold. And he makes some really interesting points. They've got some great parallels for us in Britain as well. They're going to pass a law that requires all new build homes to have solar panels. Wow. I mean, it's it's a simple, obvious thing to do. By contrast, 10 years ago, I think it was Cameron took that away. You know, he, yep. the, uh, the industry was about to implement a zero carbon homes policy and, and he just took it away. 
Um, so it's really interesting. It's a different political system. It's given, you know, more of a kind of, I think it's more representative, therefore, of what the people in Germany want. And they're able to move at some speed. And he also makes the point that we've got to change planning regulations in Germany. He, he, this is, you know, to better enable renewable energy to happen at speed. And they need immigration to help them because they're going to need a whole a whole ton of engineers and skilled people to come into the country to, to build all this stuff. And he also introduced a really interesting statistic that they need 2% of Germany's land area dedicated to renewable energy to hit the 100% target. Wow. And I think that's that's really interesting because most people think, oh, we're going to be overrun with windmills and solar panels. And, and you know, it's not the case. I mean, most of us think that we're overrun with buildings and roads at the moment, but it's like 15% of our of our land mass, the built environment. And so we're, I'm going to do some calculations on this and, and pull up a figure for Britain. It's probably a little bit higher because we're a smaller country. Yeah, sure. But it's great perspective to give people, citizens, that look, we just need 2% of land and we can do this. Uh, here's a great story. It, it's not in this country, sadly, but who knows? Customers shun red meat after carbon footprint detail was added to weekly shop receipts. It's a Norwegian online grocer. They've seen a number, a drop in the number of carbon intensive products sold since they started introducing receipts that tell the shoppers exactly what they've been spending and the environmentally sound or not sound implications. Yeah, lovely story because it came about at the request of customers who said they found it hard to understand the uh, the environment impact, carbon impact in particular of what they were buying or about to buy. And so this online shop Odor introduced basically a traffic light system, although it's got four colors, not three, from green to red, to show the carbon intensity of, of you know whatever's in the shopping basket. And as a direct result of that, there's been a drop in red meat and uh, you know high polluting forms of, of food which is really wonderful. It shows what can be done when people have information available to them. Uh, Paul on Facebook says, Dale, have you invested in cryptocurrency? I don't know why Paul wants to know that. Maybe he's just nosy. (laughs) I don't know. But listen, I think it's not an investment. You you don't invest in cryptocurrency. It's a gamble. And the answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. Do you understand cryptocurrency? Well, not really. I think it's a speculative bubble. You know, I think it works because people pile in expecting the price to go up and, and therefore something that inherently has no value suddenly increases in value yeah. and it's all well and good while it does, but at some point it won't. It's interesting. There's a guy I know, He's a, uh, he was a comedian called Dominic Frisbee and he decided to go into kind of financial journalism. I think he still does some stand-up stuff. Um, and he wrote a book about Bitcoin and he said, Um, And I interviewed him when he wrote the book because he knows a lot about it. And he said, I wanted to write a book that my dad could understand because I thought if I can pass the dad test, then everybody will understand it. And I thought that's a really good way to get this across. So I took the book home, got to page three, and I was absolutely flummoxed. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. (laughs) He's either got a very clever dad or he just lied to me, one of the two. (laughs) <laughs> love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think digital currency is a really interesting idea, but currently it's uh, it's kind of borderless and uh, regulation-free, and there's a lot of danger in that as well. There's also an environmental component yeah, oh, to yeah. this as well, isn't yeah. there? Because yeah. you have these, you know, huge warehouses of, of hard drives and big-ass computing who are running this thing and sucking up God knows what and churning out God knows what. Yeah. I mean, a lot of uh, Bitcoin mining is done in China, powered by uh, coal-fired power stations. Yeah. And I, that's where that big impact comes from. I mean, it's just a weird thing to me that you can, you know, run run big servers, crunching numbers to effectively mine Bitcoin out of, um, you know, well, out does, of I, that's the. I mean, you've just hit on the area that most people don't understand. When I said to this guy, you know, how would I get, you know, 
X amount of money's worth of Bitcoin. He said, well, it depends how deep you mine. I thought, deep? What are you talking about? How deep I mine? I mean, this is, what do I take a shovel or something? Where do I go for this mining expedition? It's, I think it's all of that that people don't understand, but we'll, um, we'll watch with interest. That may well be a bubble that does burst at some point going forward. Um, what about this? Could magnetized concrete charge EVs? Great story. We shared it with our friend uh, Mike Graham, you know, he, <laughs> the, the guy that thinks concrete grows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he loved it. Every now and then you get this story in the press. I think journalists love it. The idea that we could charge electric cars as we drive along. So this magnetic concrete is being proposed as a, as a road surface that would enable that. And I just think... I just think it's mad. You know, we don't need to charge as we drive. The technology of cars and car charging is is so good now. We're on the verge of being able to replicate the fossil fuel powered car experience where you top up once every week or two. And this magnetic concrete would be the top coat of a road. It would be the wearing surface. It, sure. would, uh, it would cost a fortune. I mean, we know how expensive it is to build or recover roads now just to repair what we've got. We're not Correct. keeping up. Yep. The idea that we could build magnetic roads everywhere is, you know, it's... Bollocks. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's bollocks. Yeah, let's say that. That's what your that's what your grand would have said. It, it? Uh, yeah, as my old nan would say. Old man, yeah. <laughs> uh, final question from Meg on Twitter: When will my partner be able to get hold of a Sky Diamond? I've been hinting for months, and I think he's got the message. Well, we've got another drop in a couple of weeks uh, in our online shop, skydiamond.com. We're kind of um, struggling a little bit with production at the moment. We've had a breakdown in our hydrogen machine, but I think we've got like 40 or 50 stones dropping in a couple of weeks. Wow. But, you know, just keep an eye on the website. We'll get it sorted and we'll be hopefully producing. We, we should be at 150 a month within uh, within a couple of months from now, which which should help. And then we, we just need to expand it. Fantastic. Look forward to it. Dale, we will speak next week. Have a cracking week. Thanks, Ian. That, See you later. That is it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Do leave a review there too. And if you want to get in touch, zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. And do follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero Carbon East Off.